Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This episode of With Wit is brought to you by the House of Chanel. Chanel introduces a new generation of sustainably developed skincare infused with a high concentration of ingredients and derived from the uniquely revitalizing winter-blooming red camellia flower. Packaged with lightweight glass, organic ink, and other bio-based materials, Numéro 1 de Chanel forges an unprecedented path of skincare innovation. Numéro 1 de Chanel, beauty ahead of time. To learn more about the line, visit chanel.com. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Life-changing moments, life-changing people. Because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Hey everyone, how are you? I hope everyone is having a great week so far. This week has actually been really good considering what's going on. I'm currently going through the hormone injections for fertility for egg retrieval this weekend, either Saturday or Sunday. And I think going into it, I was so nervous and had heard so many different things that I was like really worried and kind of anticipating that and told Timmy to beware of any mood swings or high emotions or high anxiety or craziness. And it hasn't really been as crazy as bad, both emotionally and physically as I thought. I mentioned on social, I had a little bit of an emotional breakdown on Saturday night. I think going into all the ultrasounds and the doctor's appointments and doing the injections and the retrieval and everything, there's a positive light at the end of this, like hopefully a gift at the end of this. So I've been trying to tell myself that. And the injections really haven't been that bad. Timmy's been giving them to me every night. It's like a little bit of immediate stinging for one of them. The menopause stings a little bit. But other than that, it hasn't been too awful. The bloating hasn't been awful. I know I'm not in like that worst moment yet. Someone told me to take extra stool softener in those last days after the egg retrieval. But anyways... I really have been thinking positively about the whole thing and I've looked at it as just being like a little blip on the radar in the scheme of life and 
I, that's what also most people have been telling me and something that just keeps on coming back as a theme throughout motherhood in order to just like continue to get through it, I guess. But anyways, this leads me to my next guest. I'm really deep diving into health in terms of the fertility world and how we can really nourish our bodies and do everything that we can to create the most healthy, like sustainable home for a baby. So I wanted to talk to a nutritionist because what we put in our body is so important. And this isn't to say that it is responsible for getting pregnant, but we know nutrition can help support the rest of our systems. So Jessica Diamond is a repeat guest because she is just so wonderful. She's an MPH, an RDN, and a renowned dietitian nutritionist. With over 11 years of experience as a nutrition and wellness expert, she works with moms-to-be, new moms, infants, and children on all aspects of nutrition and eating behaviors using a whole food foundation. So I wanted to chat with her to talk about fertility and the role nutrition can play in it. Like I said, we actually recorded this a month ago. So in terms of where I was at with my fertility, that may be off, but it is just a general conversation about fertility and applies to where I'm at in the stage now and into my pregnancy. But I really wanted to make sure that I was setting myself up to be in a good place before this whole process. So it really came at a great time. Jessica's also the co-founder of Meaningful Living and co-host of Meaningful Living Podcast, where she focuses on really breaking down all the need to know information into easy to understand knowledge, basically like the Cliff's Notes to Nutrition and Parenting. Because when you remove the doubt, fear, and stress from everyday parenting choices, you really do create more time for the fulfilling moments. So excited to share this conversation with you all. I hope it is helpful to those thinking about their future with kids or just thinking about nutrition in general. Because like I said, whether you're trying to get pregnant, whether you've just had a baby, whether you're a new mom, or whether you're just someone that wants to be healthy, Jessica really does it all. So here is Jessica. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? Good. Hanging in, you know? Yeah. Same old. Same old. What's happening? Same old, literally just hibernating in our house, but like, but all is good. Have you mostly been staying home? Literally wit. I have been almost fully quarantined for probably 22 months. It's like, oh my God. It's crazy. It's literally crazy. Is it just the three of you guys at home or is Josh not also quarantined? It's the three of us at home. And then my parents also live in Calabasas. And so the him, my parents, and my sister have quarantined also. When did you find out you had cancer? So I was diagnosed January, 2020. Obviously came out of nowhere. I feel like I probably yeah. saw you a month or two before and I looked normal. Everything was normal. Yeah. Yeah. So there was obviously that, which life drastically changes. But then when the pandemic hit in March, it was all of a sudden I had abs- I, I had lymphoma. So it's, you have no immune system, zero. So it's not even just COVID. I can't get it. It's the common cold. It's just playing outside in the dirt. And, you know, like kids, that's how they're exposed to bacteria and things like that. It was all of a sudden everything is shut down. So that was March. And since that period of time, it's almost sudden, like I went from a mom that had a normal life, building a career to someone that became immunocompromised. And I think Mm -hmm. that the biggest thing during all of this is just 
a different experience for someone that's immunocompromised. It's really yeah. a different experience. And yeah. So, you know, what all my doctors basically said is it's not even just COVID. Bryce can't get the common cold right now. Like he, you can't get anything because first of all, we don't want you getting sick. We don't want you in the hospital. We don't want it to delay treatment of any sort, Uh but also hospitals are really packed right now. And, you know, the type of care that you need is, it would be pretty intense, right? Something that's a common cold to someone is going to land you in the ICU. I was actually in the ICU for two and a half weeks before COVID hit with the flu. And so it's like the things that we normally think like, oh, you get the flu, you have some Tamiflu and you move on. It's right. all of a sudden. For you, yeah. Huh. It's a whole different story. Whole different it's story. life or death. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. So when you were diagnosed in January, what stage were you diagnosed with? So I was, I was diagnosed with stage four lymphoma, which still it's weird to say, like, I can't actually believe it. I, I never want to put fear in anyone, which is sometimes why I'm hesitant. Like I'm totally open talking about it, but I know that it can be really scary. And I didn't have a lot of symptoms. I had shoulder pain and I had not a newborn, but I had a baby. I mean, Bryce was about a little under one and a half. And so I had shoulder pain and I told Josh, my husband, who's a doctor. And literally that night he's like, Jess, do you have cancer? Like, do you have a mask growing somewhere that's causing this arm pain? I'm like, right. You're like, I have no idea, but no, no. it's just impossible. Yeah. You're like, I'm probably just pulled a muscle or something. So I went to the doctor. I got my labs done. My labs looked good. The doctor was basically like, listen, you just had a baby. You're breastfeeding. You're carrying a lot of weight. You probably just tweaked your arm, go to do some physical therapy. Josh said, I don't agree at all, but I will let you do one week of physical therapy. If you don't have improvement in your symptoms, like I'm just taking this into my own hands. And so I did a week of physical therapy and it obviously didn't do anything. And so Josh, another friend that was a doctor, he took us in, who's a neurologist. And he was just basically like, can you just get all these obscure labs? Something here is going on. And can you just get all of these labs on her? And yeah, we got a lot of labs and I had one other study. Josh just sent me to like, go get all these tests to kind of just take up the time. I think as he was like trying to put the pieces together It was actually two years ago, Monday was when it happened. And I was sitting after that last like abdominal ultrasound and Josh came in, he got the lab results and he said, you know, Jess, I have to tell you something. It's not good. You're going to be okay, but you have, I think you have cancer. I was like, you, what? what? Like, are you serious? I'm a dietitian. I do this for my career. I'm like the healthiest person. I'm young. What are you talking about? And so that started the process of, thank God it was, I mean, if I didn't have him or someone advocating, I think that's the story, which is if you don't feel right, get help. Like don't take just your fine as an answer. Just always, always do your due diligence. And I am fine. And you know, it's, it's a path, but it's been a definitely not the normal cancer path navigating this during the pandemic. I mean, I had a one and a half year old then And now it's like, I have a kid, all of which has lived in two years of just a bubble of my parents, my sister and Josh and I in our house. So it's been a very interesting, very interesting couple of years to say the least. Oh, 
Jess, that is, it's really so challenging. I'm sure there have been moments of like beauty and you feeling good and getting through this and watching him grow and all of that. But I can imagine like how isolating that is. How have you gotten through all of this? Like in, you know, in your dark moments, like what did you do and tell yourself? You know, it's such a good question. I, I, honestly, the second I was diagnosed, I actually didn't want to know. Like when you asked me what uh-huh. stage, like I've probably uh-huh. said that out loud probably two or three times in my life. Oh no. Because uh-huh. no, not not for any negative reason, except for the fact the uh-huh. second Josh told me that I likely have cancer from that point in time, I put my helmet on and I said, I'm going to be okay. I have no other option. I've got yeah. a kid. I have a family. This is not how my story is going to end and I'm going to yeah. be okay. And so really uh, my parents and, and husband bought me boxing gloves, like in that first couple days when I was diagnosed and I hung those in the hospital bed area. I brought those home with me. I still hang them up. And I think there's something to be said of like really believing you're going to be okay. And there is, I, I try to frame how I talk about being home. Not like I'm stuck at home because when we say stuck, we feel stuck then. Yeah. What I say is I, I look at the small, the smallest things to be grateful like, for, grateful for, yeah. right? Like, yeah, I get to, there was many days, like my chemo routine. It was, I could see Bryce for one week and then not see him for two weeks. That's tough. So now it's like, I get to wake him up in the morning. I'm grateful for yeah. that. Right. I can drink water. I'm grateful for that. I'm not in the hospital right now. I'm grateful for that. So yeah. I think it's about flipping. No one knows. No one has a crystal ball. We don't know when all this is going to end or what it's going to look like or what this new normal is going to be. And for Mm -hmm. today and each day that I do it, I just say, I've got this and I need to focus on the smallest little things I have because we all have something to be grateful for. It's true. It's true. I guess it's, you know, when you hit that kind of like really low rock bottom, everything else can seem so wonderful. It's like so many extremes, this quarantine, you know, it's like the lowest of lows. And like for you being faced with this and then the highest of highs of being like, oh my God, I'm going to be okay. And like the, even those, the most simplest things are really the things that bring you like the most joy because you realize those are, those are the things that actually matter, you know, like those moments with your child. So what do the doctors say now in terms of like next steps? There is definitely a light at the end of the tunnel. The one thing I should say is probably the thing that was the biggest lifesaver for me is during this time, I was able, Haley Hubbard, who's my dear friend and now business partner, we started Meaningful yeah. Living, a parenting platform and podcast. And yeah. I honestly think the ability to dream on the future, not focusing uh-huh. exactly what's here right now, but saying like, yeah. I'm doing something. Let me just dream. I don't know when, I don't know when I'll be able to get together with her and take pictures or, you know, go, yeah. go speak publicly, but that stuff doesn't matter. But the fact of like when I was at my lowest point, you know, no hair, no eyebrows, no eyelashes, she started a company with me, made me feel so, so much less like a cancer patient. Like she saw who I was inside and not yeah. like my circumstance. And that was really life-changing for me. So I work on meaningful living all the time because it brings me so much joy to help other people. Yeah. My next steps are it's, it's, it's day by day. So my cancer right now is in remission it, technically. And so we just scan every three months and there's still treatments that I have to do because there's a lot of residual scar tissue. It was in my chest. So, you know, my heart is blocked and <laughs> I've got swelling. I've got things like that, but nothing that I can't deal with. And as far as when the time 
I can open up is really going to come down to when there's enough treatment that, you know, like if you get the flu, you can start Tamiflu. And if you go to the hospital, you're more likely going to be okay. So what my doctors Mm -hmm. basically say is that in the lymphoma and leukemia world and the blood cancer world, there just has to be a treatment that if you do get it, that you're going, that we have more of a guarantee that you're going to be okay. And I can say no two circumstances are the same. And a lot of people can take different risks. I just am not one of those people in that boat that can take the risk. And I was also away from Bryce for like an aggregate of a year. And it's like, I'm just not willing to end up in a hospital again. Like I just want to stay. I, I'm much happier at home than I am in a hospital. So right. I'm hopeful in the next couple months that something will come down the pipeline, whether it's the Pfizer pill or something like that, that I'll be able to take. Yeah. yeah. But until then it's about planting the seeds and, you know, looking at the small little things and building a future, no matter what that future is building something for tomorrow. Yeah. I, th- I mean, it seems like you're doing an amazing job of that, but I think it is so important to just like stay in the moment right now for all of us, right. you know, because just as everyone's saying, and as cliche as it sounds like there is so much that's unknown. So whether you're like immunocompromised like you or, or a healthy person, like there's still, there's still just so much unknown. So sometimes all this anxiety about the future or planning, or, you know, I'm sure we just have to take a step back and be like, okay, what's happening right now that I can actually like enjoy and work with. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm rooting for you. you and always I'm, Yeah, I really am. I'm so excited to chat with you again. I originally was going to talk to you. Actually, I think we had this scheduled maybe when when I was pregnant at the beginning of my last pregnancy. I can't fully remember, but I knew I know that I wanted to reach out to you because I was feeling just like I I wasn't nourishing myself properly and I felt like when I got pregnant, I was having so many food aversions, wasn't able to eat anything, like so hungry and had to keep my stomach full, but didn't want anything. Yeah. Was disgusted by everything. And so I remember being, being like, I need to talk to Jess about like some things that I can actually stomach that are good for me. But then obviously, long story short, I lost that baby about a month ago. And I'm now on this like fertility journey. I had a consultation with a fertility doctor a couple weeks ago. And then I had my first in-office appointment on Friday to just like look at my follicles and just basically like my first intel into like what's happening inside my body. But in this journey, I know how important nutrition plays in this. And I really want to get on the right track and like through this fertility journey, want to be putting the right things in my body to like nourish it. First of all, I can't believe it's a month. It's been a month since you lost the baby. I mean, I'm so sorry. And I, I can't, that feels like it was like two weeks ago. I cannot (sighs) believe it's been a month. For me, it feels like it's been a year. Like sometimes so much happens in between these big things that you, and and I talk about, sometimes I'm like, I talk about them so much on like my social and my podcast that then I over talk about them. And I'm just like, oh my God, like, 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 let it be in the past kind of thing. I don't know how deep I'm going to go in to the fertility journey. Yeah. I feel very blessed to have Sunny. The whole thing kind of stresses me out a lot. Like I'm not going to put my happiness and health aside to like have a second, but I do want to like go through the discovery. The first thing I want to say is fertility is such a sensitive topic. 
there are no two journeys that are the same at all, right? Whether you've had a miscarriage, multiple miscarriages, or just having a harder time getting pregnant. Like you thought like, Hey, once I have sex once, I'll just have a baby and I'll wind up positive. And you know, you're into this like three or six months in and being like, wait, is something wrong with me? Or you've had infant loss, all of these things. First of all, my heart goes out to you and I fertility is not one size fits all. And by no means am I saying anything today that diet is like the panacea that if you change your nutrition, like that's just going to change your fertility, but it is really important. And would I so relate to you in the sense that I have one kid, but if I have the option to ever have another baby, it will be IVF. And I think that it's a sensitive subject because it's like, we're so grateful for one, but sometimes you do, some people want a bigger family or growing family or have thought about that. And so I'm proud of you for exploring it. I think keeping options open and your whole outlook on it has just been so honest and refreshing. So thank you. I love that. 25 to 30% of couples actually experience infertility in some degree. So it's so much more common than we ever talk about. I think we talk about Mm -hmm. so much of the good parts of pregnancy and Mm -hmm. things like that and all of the struggles. We just don't talk about enough. So modifying your diet can actually have a pretty big significant impact on infertility or your fertility in general, right? Just you Mm want to make a nice house for a baby to grow and you want to nourish your body. So something that always stands out to me is that modifying your diet can improve your, your cycles. So a lot of infertility comes from like irregular cycles by 66%. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's Mm -hmm. significant. There's a lot that we Mm -hmm. can do here. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, diet has a major role. And there, there are things that we can do and things that we should, things that we should avoid, but all of these things actually create a healthier you. So when I think about nutrition for fertility, what I'm really thinking about is how can I make my body as kind of healthy physically and mentally as possible? So whatever I am housing in there is growing and is getting the best possible nutrition, but also for me, like for your own body, right? right? Right. And so- it, there, it, there's no harm in it. It can only help. Right. So what would you say are the most important things to add into your diet? A good framework is focusing more on a Mediterranean type diet. So a Mediterranean type diet is mostly plant-based, right? Predominantly plant-based. So looking for more real foods, as I say it, just you're in that, you're in the grocery store and you want to go around the perimeter, get the real foods, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, nuts, legumes, less processed or red meats, right? Mm -hmm. And replacing a lot of that saturated fat with good monounsaturated fat. So things like extra virgin olive oil or avocados, things like that. Mm -hmm. So Mm-hmm. Mediterranean is where we want to go. And I just think of that as the real side of food. And the things that we want to try to limit or avoid are the really processed things. So processed foods, trans fats, trans fats keep just shelf life longer. Those we know hurt us unrefined carbs. So carbs are not bad by any means, but we're looking at, we want real foods, right? Whole grains when we can, oatmeals and whole wheat, everything. Like what right. we can do that way is, is going to be better than getting some sort of simple carbohydrate item. Okay. And, and preferably organic when you can, right? Organic when you can. So quality matters, right? So uh-huh. it does, but it doesn't mean that everything has to be organic. I love the dirty dozen download it. If you are someone that's like, oh, I don't want to get everything organic or I can't afford everything organic 
download the dirty dozen. It'll tell you what items to look for organic and which items that you don't have to get organic that are processed in a way that are kind of quote unquote less less dirty is is why why it's called the dirty dozen. When I hear Mediterranean diet, I sometimes roll my eyes because it feels very much like okay, so eat some more fruits and vegetables and like extra virgin olive oil. But like, what does that look like for me? Or are there certain foods that I should be having? And so I love talking about just like, if you're going to make a couple changes in your diet and you're looking to improve your fertility, there's a couple that you can do that have got a lot of research behind them. Mediterranean diet really, like what I said before, it really means like focusing on the real stuff, right? Like whole foods foods and predominantly just plants of any sorts. Some foods that are really awesome, avocados. Uh Avocados are major. They are filled with monounsaturated fatty acids. What they do is they've been shown to lower ovulatory infertility, which is amazing and have actually shown to improve IVF success. Oh, wow. They're great when you're pregnant. They are great during fertility. They're really great anytime. They're loaded with folate and potassium. They've got vitamin A. All of those things are really important for reproductive health. So I always say when you are on a fertility journey, take some avocado, add it to wherever you can. If you can sprinkle some like chia seeds or hemp seeds on top, even better. And you can even eat it plain, but that's a good one to add in. The next one's a weird one. (laughs) I'm excited. Brazil nuts. So no one's- I love Brazil nuts actually. So Brazil nuts actually have a lot of selenium in it. It's actually the food that has the highest weight of selenium per weight of the food. So it's really, really good. It's an antioxidant. So it helps decrease oxidative stress. And so when we think of our eggs, we want antioxidants because we don't want damage to our eggs, right? You're going to look at your egg quality and egg quality means we want the least amount of oxidative stress on those as possible. So also low selenium has been associated with an increased risk of miscarriage. So I don't, I've never even heard of this word. Selenium. Of Yeah. Right. It's kind of one of what those. Is it? It, so it's, it's a nutrient just like we're talking, it's a mineral technically. Yeah. And so kind of like iodine or things like that. Oh. It's just, but it's not talked about a lot. The cool thing is you take one Brazil nut a day, add it to your smoothie or eat it plain, but add it to a smoothie. And there you go. You have your selenium and you're good to go. I'm so excited. There's a lot of people that have like nut allergies or tree nut allergies that can't do it. Selenium's in other things besides Brazil nuts. It's in lentils and chickpeas and seafood specifically. So you can do other things, but Brazil nuts are great. My third favorite food for fertility would be quinoa. The protein, the fiber, the folate, and the zinc in it are just amazing. And so the cool thing about quinoa is you can literally make it in one minute. In an instant pot, it takes a minute. It is so easy to do. And it's packed with that protein and fiber, which is really, really good for you. So I always say like, replace some of your rice with quinoa or just kind of add in like all of these things can just be added to what you're doing. You're making a salad, put a quarter cup of quinoa in there. So there's really easy ways to just add it into what we're already doing. What are some of the things we should definitely be staying away from? I don't love labeling like food as good or bad, right? Like the second I say like, do not touch this item, all you're going to want to do is touch that item. And so there aren't really foods that it's like, no matter what you cannot have, unless it's unsafe, right? But most, like the majority of the thing is just anything that's not real, anything that's processed or has trans fats in it. Those are the things to minimize and 
Mm-hmm. And say you're eating a lot of that right now, then the goal means, okay, instead of eating that hundred percent of the time, 50% of the time, let me eat those foods and add fruits and vegetables and whole grains mm-hmm. to replace those. So really it's just about minimizing a lot of red meats, a lot of processed meats and a lot of processed mm-hmm. foods and trans fat. Okay. I eat a lot of red meat. I know. I, when I was saying it, I was like, you're a red meat lover. I know. I know, but I, I'm happy. I, if it's really not good for me or if it's something that I should limit, then I'm happy to. I, it's not, it's not in something that's quote unquote bad for you. It's something that like, I would limit it. I would say, okay, I'm going to have red meat once a week. Like that's going to be my goal once a week. So vitamins are obviously really important. I am taking right now the parallel fertility support pack. Right. And yeah. Do you have a favorite? Is there anything we should be taking additionally? So I love parallel. First of all, you are in great hands. I love them because the vitamins change right with what you're needing in fertility, postpartum, first trimester, second trimester, third trimester. Yes, I do have a couple of favorites. So parallel, I really like. I like ritual. I like pink stork. What are some of the other ones? Rainbow light is good. Mega foods. It really depends. Like everyone's really personal on what they can tolerate. Right. So I can say parallel is amazing or ritual is amazing. And you take it and you don't tolerate it. That's not the right one for you. Right. Sometimes it's hard to choke them down. So a couple of things to look for fertility, specifically CoQ10 parallel has that included, but a lot of them don't. And so CoQ10 is actually just like we were talking about before with egg quality, CoQ10 is really important in helping improve egg quality. So the studies show between 200 to 600 milligrams a day. So Mm -hmm. if your prenatal doesn't have it and you are looking to improve fertility chances, CoQ10 is a great option. Okay. When you're looking at a prenatal, the most important thing is look at folate. Folate's really important. And you want it to be in the form of methylated folate. A lot of people have this sort of genetic thing that they have. It's called MTHFR. That means that you can't actually take full, you can't break down folate appropriately. And folate's really, really important, right? It's important for neural tube defects, which we hear about a lot, but it's also important for infertility and pregnancy loss and lots of things. So, and it improves IVF outcomes. So just make sure that you're getting folate in the right form, that it's methylated. Parallel is methylated. So you're good. Got it. And then iron is important. You want to make sure what I love about a lot of the supplements on the market right now is that they don't have as much iron in them because they know that you're eating food also. And so Mm -hmm. it's a little gentler on your stomach. So you're eating food and it's kind of filling in the gaps of your diet. Ritual does that. I think that's amazing. And then the only other things really that are really important is DHA and EPA. So that's the fish oil one in the parallel that you take or- right. DHA and EPA are important for brain and, and eye development. And it also can decrease the risk of preterm birth. And this is a big one, perinatal depression. I think a lot of us Mm. feel those baby blues in some way, shape Mm -hmm. or form. And so DHA is important. And a lot of prenatals don't have those. So Nordic Naturals is a great company and you can supplement that on top. So just looking at your prenatal, I think a lot of us feel like, oh, I'm just going to go grab a prenatal and it's going to have all the items and just go through this simple checklist. I have an article on meaningfulliving.com that is called prenatals explained, prenatal vitamins explained. So you can look through all this. If you're listening right now, you don't have to write it all down. You can just go look there. All of the information's there and you can click on them. Parallel is so great because like you said, they really help play into like the specific phases. So like a lot of prenatals are just like the prenatals, yeah. right? And it's just one kind, but parallel, they break it up. For any of you out there who are looking for 
a prenatal. They, they're hoping to be a company that's like servicing women at all different phases of their lives, like vitamins for menopause, vitamins for girls who have just gotten their period. Like they're such an amazing company, but they have like the fertility support pack. And then hopefully once I get pregnant, then I'll move on to like the, the first trimester. Do you know even if exercise plays a role in fertility? Yeah. So, so movement, I'd like to say it as movement because yeah. I think exercise feels a lot of pressure and it doesn't necessarily mean that less sedentary helps our fertility, which means gentle movement, right? So you're parking somewhere, you're going somewhere, just park your car further away and walk, right? Take a meeting that you have, do a walking meeting, like Mm -hmm. walk around your backyard in a couple Mm -hmm. circles, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like any phone call that you have, just like pace around or take the stairs instead of the escalator, like all those easy things, like just move your body. Just move your, just move your body. I mean, we're both big fans of Amanda. Obviously I love Pilates. I love anything gentle like that. But yes, movement is important. It's important Mm -hmm. for our overall health and a lot Mm -hmm. of things with fertility when it's important for our overall health, it is really important during that time when we're trying to grow a human. So movement can definitely help. Yeah. Have you been able to move or exercise at all? Like how has that looked for you? (laughs) It's been, it's been a journey. I felt like I went from really strong and Pilates has been always something so important to me where not much because one of my side effects was that the tumor encroached by my heart. So it, it's, it basically the scar tissue there is like clamped down on a lot mm-hmm. of the veins to my heart. So I just don't have the same reserve that I had before, but I've mm-hmm. been doing Amanda lately, just her core club at home. Yeah. And even if I have to take breaks or whatever it is, yeah. it feels really, really good to just start building to feeling better. Cause the one thing I've learned too, is like, you want your strength. You never know what's coming down in the future, right? Like you never know when you need strength. It's so so true. I think it's the most important thing. Who does the cooking in your house? Me and Josh, but like, we all need a Timmy. Like, I mean, Josh (laughs) has taken, Josh has turned into a chef. I usually, I, I, I'm usually the cooker, but obviously with everything going on, he's taken a lot of those roles. And so I'll tell him like quinoa is so easy. And if you have an instant pot, it takes a minute and he'll be like, what do I do? I add water. Okay. I push one minute. He's like, wow, that's so easy. Lentils in one minute. Yeah. Whoa, that's amazing. Yeah. So I'm all about the easy and sustainable. Like the, every recipe I ever put out, like I'm not spending more than 20 or 30 minutes in a kitchen. Who has time for that? Right. If you do great, like that's wonderful. But the majority of us just don't. So yes. Are you guys majority cooking all your meals? Yeah, we are. Yeah. On Meaningful Living, I've actually been doing some meal planning. Mm -hmm. I think doing like 30 minutes of meal planning a week is is really great, but everything can be versatile. Like you just have to see how they match together. You know, with Sunny, when you have kids, kids force us to meal plan. Before we could be like, it's 1230. What am I post made? You know, like, what am I getting right now? And then you have a kid and you're like, wait, they eat more frequently than me. They need snacks. They need stuff here. And if I don't prep, then I'm just... I'm just constantly kind of in this fight or flight state. That's not good for anyone. So a little bit of meal planning goes a long way. I think that I'm going to start to do that. What would you say for like a four-year-old growing four-year-olds right now are some of the most important things that I should be putting in Sunny's diet? So with kids, it's all about, it's, it's all about variety. Mm -hmm. Honestly, if you can, it's really, you know, a lot of times people come to me and say like, my four-year-old is so picky or won't eat anything. And so what ends up happening is that we think it's our job as parents to get our kids to eat. Mm-hmm. So what we do is it's completely natural. 
say Sonny loves chicken tenders and French fries. Mm -hmm. And if you put a salad in front of him, he won't touch it. What ends up happening is we say like, I'm not going to make, go through the effort of making the salad. He's not going to touch it. So I'm going to go to the safe items. The problem is, is that it's really about the way that we get our kids to eat is by increasing the exposure and decreasing the pressure. And it's not your job to get your kid to eat. If Sonny didn't eat a lunch one day, he's going to make it up in other ways. And he's going to actually then learn how to do that. Mm -hmm. He's going to get that skill to understand, oh, this is what hunger feels like. Okay. Like I can branch out in certain things and it actually makes them feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. So consistency is key. No pressure, right? Like the bribing that we do that's so natural or like, oh, come on one more bite of your broccoli. And then you can have the dessert that's, that's sitting here. That's what we're pretty guilty of. We're like, right? you know, cause he, a lot of the times he doesn't he even want to take a bite like, right. He, or he'll just take one and then say he doesn't like it and then want dessert. And it's like, no, <laughs> you have to take five bites of this and then you can qualify for dessert. And like, <laughs> is that horrible? <laughs> It's, I, I laugh because it's what we all do. Yeah. It's how we grew up. Yeah. But it's also because we're like operating from, it's like this place of like, it's our job to make our kids eat the spinach. Yeah. Or to just Actually, like eat in general. It's like, we think it's our job for them to eat. And like, we think right. it's our, yeah. And we think that they're like going to sh- shrivel away if they don't. <laughs> they're not. Yeah. So, okay. So first of all, they, they are. Yeah. Some, some kids, you know, obviously there's a certain circumstance you can reach out to me. That's a totally different yeah. thing. But yeah. in general, mm-hmm. kids can have air and water for a lot of times and they do, they do really well, right? Like they, they're okay. When we say have one bite, just one bite of the spinach, and then you can have your dessert. What we're actually telling them is the dessert is so much better for them or special or exciting mm-hmm. than that piece of broccoli or spinach. And so it's flipping, it's doing the exact opposite of what we want to do. Mm-hmm. And And what that does is that then makes them fixate on dessert and kind of get obsessed on it and always ask, can I have my dessert now? Can I have my dessert now? What is on the dessert? Mm -hmm. Is there dessert tonight? Mm -hmm. Like when can I have my cookie? And so my favorite thing is to put dessert, one child size portion of dessert with dinner and it not be afterwards. And you put, and you treat it just like every other food and dessert is not something that's rewarded or punished. And it's just kind of neutral Mm -hmm. and give him his dinner whatever you're serving, put it out and truly wit, he can have as much or as little as he wants and he can eat in any order that he wants. Uh So if he wants to start with the dessert, don't make any comments as hard as it is. Let him do it. If after that dessert for a couple meals, he's full and he doesn't touch the other stuff, that's okay. Okay. What he's going to do is test out that pressure. And over time, once he realizes, wow, it's consistent, I get a child-sized portion of dessert every single night. And you know that can look like, home-baked items that you make that have no refined sugar in it. It can look like, you know, candy. It it can look like anything. And obviously he can have more portions of the other food, just not the dessert. If you do that, he'll start to trust that and he'll start to branch out. Part of like the part of them not branching out is just this feeling of the controlling Mm -hmm. part of it. It's Mm -hmm. like the one thing they can control. Mm -hmm. And newness is scary for them. Right. So the more that they see it, touch it, get involved in cooking, that type of stuff, he'll branch out. Okay. I love that. Cause I, I, it's definitely, it's exhausting. It's like you cook and you sit down at dinner and you just want to enjoy dinner. And then you're, you spend the whole dinner just like trying to force your child to eat and it doesn't feel good and it's not sustainable. So that's such you a good You feel tip. bad. Yeah. Yeah. You feel bad. Your kid feels bad. Yeah. And then I always say, if they don't touch it, just be like, 
yes. Like in your head, like, yes, I've got leftovers for tomorrow. I don't have to what make happens lunch. If he doesn't eat anything or just eats the dessert and then like wants snack in bed. So you have defined meal and snack time. So every family, this is going to look a little different in general. It looks like three meals a day mm-hmm. plus two snacks mm-hmm. and you want the snacks and meals to be defined. So it's your job to make the meals decide like, so he doesn't make the menu. He doesn't, you don't ask him like, what do you want for lunch? Mm -hmm. You actually make lunch. Mm -hmm. If he makes a request, you can be like, Oh, I love Mac and cheese. That's on the menu on Wednesday. And so put it on the menu, but make it a couple of days later. If at dinner, he says he's all done and he's only had the dessert and you feel like he's going to be hungry later. You can say, okay, Sunny, check in with your belly. Are you full? I just want to let you know the kitchen's not open until breakfast tomorrow. Uh And if he then says, you you have to give him consent, right? And if he consensually says, yeah, like I'm full or I want to go play or whatever, then when he asks you later, you can be like, oh, I know you're hungry. Okay. The kitchen doesn't open until breakfast tomorrow. At breakfast, you can have as much or as little as you want. And there might be just like everything in parenting, right? There might be a meltdown then. It might not be. They might say like, okay, move on. But there might be a meltdown. And it's that consistency is actually how they learn to be an intuitive eater because that's what they want. That's what we want. Yeah. The other thing I should say is that there are some kids like if bed, if dinner time's 530 mm-hmm. and like bedtime for Sunny, let's say bedtime's like eight o'clock. That's a long distance in between. So you can always do a, a nighttime snack, but you want to be consistent. Right. So if you do a nighttime snack, do it all the time. If you, if it's, if you know that your kids are, you know, it's not that long of a chunk and your kid's okay, then don't do a nighttime snack, mm-hmm. but you can totally have that in and feel no guilt with that. Okay, it's good. just keep it consistent. Yeah. Okay, good. So last but not least, so we've talked about meaningful living and we talked about your site, but tell us about your podcast and like why everyone here needs to go listen to it. I love talking about meaningful living. Yeah. <laughs> so meaningful living is a parenting platform. So we have articles, we've got courses. So we've got a feeding your baby solids courses with lots of more courses coming out. And we have an amazing podcast. And really the whole podcast is just to be the cliff notes version of parenting, nutrition, lifestyle. And so it's bringing real life experience. So people like you that have gone through things so we can all relate to each other. It's really about bringing the village of parenting to you. Mm -hmm. I know that Haley and I started it because we felt like everything was overwhelming. Mm -hmm. You get pregnant or you're thinking about it and all of a sudden you get these books and who wants to read books on books on books. Mm -hmm. And then you get all these opinions from your mother-in-law and your mom and your friends, and you just don't know what your North star is. And so the whole purpose of the show is just to break everything down to be really simple and actionable. And so that you feel confident in your everyday choices. Cause I think when we live in confidence, Mm -hmm. we feel so much better all around. And so it's just bringing confidence. That's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So full, like 360 parenting with obviously nutrition included, but it's like covers everything. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Bring everything. So awesome. I'm so glad that we got to connect again. I'm excited for these little nuggets that you gave me. I'm going to order my Brazil nuts right now. Can I order salted ones? Yes, you can. <laughs> you could tell me no too. I know. But I, I really appreciate this. And like I said, I'm rooting for you and cheering for you. And I just admire your strength and vulnerability. And I know it took a lot for you to talk about what you had gone through, especially being you know, in the field that you are like being scared to talk about being so sick while also preaching health. Like I know that that can be scary, but that's something again, that you have a zero control over. And like you got diagnosed with stage four cancer and it looks like you're, you're 
thriving and working hard and like parenting and I mean, alive and you're kicking ass and I'm so proud of you. Well, thank you, Wit. Thanks for having me here and thank you for all you do. And I love this conversation. You had me too. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you loved this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I'd love to hear what you think and anything more or even less you'd want to hear about. Tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at Whitney E. Port, my website, WhitneyPort.com, and my YouTube channel, Whitney Port. Peace in the streets.